0: Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. I'm your host Connor Morissette. I'm in Long Beach at St. Anthony High School with first year, well now transition, second year head coach, I don't know, right in the middle, (laughs) Alan Mitchell, the boys basketball coach. Alan, I've been wanting to sit down and talk with you for a long time. Thank you so much for being with me. How are things going with you?
1: Thank you. Uh, Things are good. Things are good, man. I'm super thankful. I'm blessed and I love where I'm at. I love where I'm at right now.
0: What was year one as a head coach? like for you. Take that any way you want to go with
1: it. Exciting. It was never a down moment, whether it was on the court or off the court. Um, But it was really a tremendous, a tremendous blessing, man. Tremendous blessing, just the opportunities that were presented along the way, being able to lead a a locker room full of young men that that needed leadership and things like that. Uh, Then the success that we did have, I mean, it may have shocked a lot of people. It didn't shock us. We actually had uh, bigger goals, and and we were pretty close to achieving those. But it was um, it was exciting. Year one was
0: great. Is there a single moment that you look back on and think this was the best moment from this season?
1: Ah <sighs> oh, man, I don't know. We we had we had some moments this year, man, and just with the things that we discussed in our locker room, and to be able to achieve them or just to have that moment to to achieve them and and then either achieve them or fall short it was it just so much in that it was just a a huge learning process this year you know what i mean for everybody um our favorite moment
0: I can maybe help you. I, I was at a couple of them. Uh, the, how about that Man. state preview classic game? That was great. And then in the playoffs, I wasn't ah. at the gym. But the, the game against Colony, that has to be up there just because I think most people would say Colony was the better seed. They probably, on paper, for sure. had the better chance to win. But they came in your gym, and you guys just didn't miss a shot that night, right?
1: And I wish we had a lot more nights like that. <laughs> but uh, um, State preview was definitely a moment for us. Um, it was some some underlying ties to that game for us and uh it meant a lot to everybody in our locker room um and i'm sure it meant a lot to them as well and And that was capital valley christian correct um that was a great moment uh colony was great we played bishop montgomery here um during league and that was another great night that that game and just what our league presented in itself was something crazy but to be able to pull out that kind of game, fight back, scratch and claw, and then win, um, it showed our team what we, what we could be, you know what I mean? And the Colony game was probably one of the games where we played close to 32 minutes, just executing the game plan, and Lucas Gray shot the <laughs> – he shot the laces off the basketball <laughs> yes, that night. Yes, he did. Toughest
0: moment, I'm sure, has to do with losing some games, but you guys also dealt with a pretty tough COVID shutdown,
1: right? Yeah, uh during uh Christmas time, I would say. We were getting ready for the Damian Classic. We just played harvard westlake on TV. Um uh, we kind of felt like we let that one slip away as well and but we also felt like we were finally getting in a groove, right? And I think uh the, we played them Saturday. That Tuesday we got shut down with COVID. And it was just a couple lower-level kids at first, and then as the days went by, it just started – just the number, the numbers were just rising pretty much like you see on TV. and We got shut down for, I think, almost three weeks. And it, it kind of sucked, you know what I mean, especially just being in that groove and then missing the opportunity to be a part of uh, the Damian Classic, which was great, but also went through their ups and downs. I think they had like 43 teams drop out or something. Um, yeah, that COVID shutdown, was that was tough, dude.
0: Yeah, it was weird. It seemed like every Delray League team dealt with it for a couple of weeks. I know Bishop Montgomery had the shutdown, and St. Bernard had yep. a shutdown, you guys. What was so great was even though the games were off schedule, they got played at the end. And it for sure. presented some really awesome games to cover, and in that league there was never a dull moment. It I remember never. at the beginning, though, I went to Bishop Montgomery, Sarah, and both teams were coming off a pause, and <laughs> it was a little sloppy. But once you guys got going – that was some really amazing basketball. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to before you were named head coach here, Alan. Your players, since you were an assistant, they pushed for you to get the job, and the administration listened, and you ended up yep. getting the job. What did that mean to you, that the coach, uh, the players that you coached said, we want this guy to be the coach? I'm sure that meant a lot.
1: Um, it, was, it was encouraging. It means a lot just from the type of person I consider myself to be and, and knowing the type of young men they are. I think they – we were a bit hurt by just the the things that transpired. And the majority of my locker room is uh, they need the leadership, especially coming from a man. And to have a familiar face would have made the transition easier, and I think it did to an extent. Instead of coming in and having to see a new guy and learn his ways and and have to learn how he is as a person and vice versa, Um, it meant a lot, man. And that interviewing process was no joke. (laughs) It wasn't no joke, just because of the, the type of program in school that this is, and as prestigious as it is. Um, I had three interviews, and they were all over an hour and, and 15 minutes, I believe, and um, I had to work hard for it. It wasn't given for sure. They definitely made me work. They didn't treat me any special way or anything, but I, I just prepared, and just like I do for the games, I prepared and did my best to execute.
0: I'm sure looking back, the administrators here are happy with that choice, especially <laughs> after year one. We'll get into a little bit more of this uh, past year in a second, but I want to get into your history. So you played at King Drew, and you told me yes, sir. before we started recording, you were talking about your playing days last night. What were some of your favorite <laughs> memories from playing at King Drew?
1: Man, I played for Chris Francis, who's the head coach at Long Beach Jordan. Um, never a dull moment with Coach <laughs> Chris, man. Never a dull moment. He was, he's He's very energetic and lively now, but – just imagine him, what, 14, 15 years ago at a younger age and, and even more energetic, and he's out there and practices playing with us and, and competing, you know what I mean? But it was amazing, man. I had some great teammates. Uh, some of my teammates, are, they've become my brothers. Uh, like I said, we were just talking last night just randomly about it. Um, I played with Aaron Hill, who was our best scorer. He's probably the leading scorer in the King Drew history. It's either him or probably Caleb now. I yeah. know Caleb had a heck of a <laughs> senior year, um, but man, I just we played with some great guys. We we competed. We 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 shocked a lot of people. We had tough games with Westchester, and we beat some some tough teams as well. Um, but it was exciting, man. And then to move into the Marine League our senior year, they called us Magnet Babies and didn't expect us to win. They predicted us to go zero twelve. It kind of hurt to to see that and just to think that. Even after the success we had, that they still felt that way, but we ended up sweeping the Marine League that year.
0: Wow! So was that Narbon and San Pedro?
1: Narbon, San Pedro, Carson, Gardena, Washington.
0: All right. What was it? Were you guys Division One, Two? What was it like back then? Because there was no open. Yeah,
1: no. Nah, so back then it was a, uh, it was city. You had City, and then you had City Invitational. Okay. So it was only those two. So I think uh, I want to say 32 teams will make the playoffs, 16 for City, 16 for Invitational. Freshman year we won Invitational, played L.A. Jordan at the sports arena. And the year before that, they Coach Chris and those guys, Marvin Mills and Terrell Burgess and all those guys, they won as well the year before. So he was back-to-back. So that was, that was pretty fun.
0: And you got to taste that your freshman year? You were on that team?
1: Yeah, so I, my freshman year I was still playing football because I was 13. Okay. So I was playing Pop Warner still. <laughs> um, I was playing basketball as well at, at King Drew. And um, it was some stuff with the administration and AD. Uh, yeah, it was weird. But So I played freshman JV and varsity that year. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got to experience all of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How did that work? I gotta ask. <laughs> so it was, in the playoffs, uh, or was it just varsity because the other ones were yep. stopped? But did you did you ever play all three games? Well, no. Nah, <laughs> so I played. No.
1: Nah, no. Nah, so I did. I only the only games I did play was freshman, freshman JV, bunch of crazy varsity practices. Okay. I didn't turn fourteen until after the season it, started, so I was a fourteen year old in there. With at the time they felt like so, grown men. Yeah. Me. <laughs> and we had uh, Daniel Stewart was six nine. Gerald Phillips was pushing 6'10", 6'11", and Jamal Thomas, Marvin Mills, who was getting recruited by Stanford. Then you go with Blake Beeson and Aaron, who were my freshman uh, class, and I played with them for all three years, or after that. Um, Marcus Rogers, who was a tremendous guy, he actually hit a thing there like a half-court buzzer beater. Um, Was it versus Eagle Rock? Yeah, it was versus Eagle Rock to get to the semis. So it was tough practices, man. Tough practices. And Coach Chris would just point out the small stuff that I would do. Like I'll get a rebound face up. And he'll stop practice and, and yell about that. Or I'll I'll get in the paint, jump stop, shot fake, and, and I'm like, dude, like so I'm succeeding in practice. Like, are you gonna play me? Like I would have these <laughs> thoughts in my head, but it never transpired. But just to get those reps as a as a freshman and in the playoff time and actually compete out there, it was, it was great.
0: It's funny that you still remember that, and now you're a head coach. Do you look back in your playing career and think, like, does that help you as a head coach?
1: For sure. For sure it does, man. It's, it's either it'll help me relate to a player if they have my same path or whatever it may be, and then you just think about, all the, the years that you've played, you think about the experiences, the moments, you think about plays that you ran that worked, you know what I mean, and things like that. So it's definitely helpful. I know all players, all former players aren't great coaches. <laughs> so I, hopefully I can <laughs> be a great player and a great coach.
0: That is a good point. But so far I'd say you're one for one in terms <laughs> of uh, years coached and uh, just being a head coach. How did you do your senior year at Kingsbury? Drew? Do you remember uh, – much from that season. It swept the Marine League.
1: Yeah, we swept the Marine League. Uh we were the first team from California at the time to go to Louisiana down south. We played um in Lake Charles, which is where Coach Chris is from. We played Barb High School. We went three and one down there. That was a um crazy experience just being down south and we experienced a lot of things down <laughs> there. Um What was crazy was the not the no shot clock. Oh yeah. We walk in the gym, first day of the tournament, and it was twenty four twenty eight. we like, dude, they running behind like an hour. <laughs> then we kind of observed the game a bit more, and it was the fourth quarter with three minutes left. And it was just like – so when we got on the floor and, and they saw how fast we played and things like that, it was – we were kind of like the cream of the crop. So the gym was pretty filled, and then you get to play the host team a couple days later. Uh, we finish that trip, we lose to Barb. We go three and one. We come back two days later. We play in the Linwood tournament, which used to be pretty big back in the day. And we end up winning that tournament. And that was the first tournament that King Drew had ever won in the history at the time. I'm not sure what they did after. Um, we had our, then we started league. We ran through league pretty much. A couple of those games were tough, but we ran through league. Made all-league, we got ready for playoffs, and we had a letdown against Palisades at home. We Not the by, Dolphins. Yeah, the <laughs> Dolphins. We lost by two to Palisades at home. But um, the year before we lost to Westchester, I think the quarters or the semis. And the uh, LA Times predicted us to be a lot better in a surprise team our senior year, which we were. Uh, I'll never forget the headline It said, King Drew was like bees on honey. (laughs) Um, And Westchester was just a lot more talented, so they, of course, defeated us. But, yeah, to to lose that game, man, was tough. But we would have played DJ Gay at Sun Valley Poly. We would have probably won that game because we we had beat them earlier in the season. And then we would have ended up playing either Fairfax or Westchester, whoever had won that. So.
0: Funny to look back on that. Sorry I didn't go your way against Palisades, but uh-huh. it sounds like you have a lot of other uh, great memories. Yeah, we got great memories, yeah. man, great, <laughs> great memories, great memories. Do you have a relationship with Lloyd Webster, the current King Drew coach? Are you close with him at all or not really?
1: Uh, I don't want to say necessarily that we're close. I, I'm familiar with him. We do chop it up when we do see each other and things like that. Uh, but he, he's done a heck of a job there, man. They they won a championship, what, three years ago? I think I want to so. Say it was three years ago. Yeah, three ago. or four. And then to just get back there and compete this year and get in the open division and do his thing, and he's he's got a lot of guys in there that were pretty good to keep the program going. So I think he has a good group of guys returning back to be successful again.
0: I agree. A lot of good freshmen too. I'm excited to see yeah. what they look like. So after King Drew, you go to LA Southwest College. You played for Reggie Morris, senior. What were those days like?
1: Juco in itself is an experience, man. But uh, I wasn't fully aware of who Coach Reggie was at the time. Coach Morris was a – he was a legend. And I didn't know it when I decided to go to the Juco route. I had committed to UC Riverside during my senior year. And then uh, they fired the coach, I think, before playoffs. And I didn't know when the coach gets fired, your scholarship could probably go Uh. with it. So that's what happened, but um, Coach Grogan, who was the associate head coach at the time, he showed up to every single thing. Showed up to every single thing, recruited me hard, and uh, they wanted me, and I went. Playing for Coach Morris was great. Um, I actually played quite a bit my freshman year, which was a shock. We had nine sophomores, so you pretty much look at that as a senior heavy team type thing at any other level. Um, Roy Walker, Chris Smith, Ulyss Thomas, like we were loaded, man. Tremaine, Tremaine Johnson played at Artesia with James Harden and Lebron Griffin was. Dope. We were we were stacked and and practices were were very tough. Um, D J Turner, Demetrius Turner, he actually went to King Drew. He's known for his fifty nine point game at, at King Drew, and uh, yeah, we were loaded, dude we were loaded and practices were were tough just because of the the competitive edge but also the way coach Morris practiced like you're going to give you going to be perfect you're going to give him what he wants and you're going to practice until we get it get it right so it was it was great
0: did you watch uh, last chance you with the Elac basketball
1: yep i sure did
0: do you enjoy that season as a JUCO guy yourself
1: for sure for sure man it brings back memories um, one thing the JUCO grind it, it do is just make you appreciate the the process and appreciate the journey, man. And you gotta really want it. If you go the JUCO route, you gotta you gotta really want it because things are tough, and you you really never know what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Guys quit, guys leave, and they have their own process and journey. Some of your teammates can mess around and be twenty four years old, and <laughs> it, it's crazy. So. It was wild, man. But I I loved it, man. Last chance you with Elac and Coach Mosley was amazing. I really wish they could have finished that season. Yeah. I really wish they could have, but it was great.
0: So I'm sure you consider Reggie Morris a mentor. Who are some of your other coaching mentors?
1: For sure, Coach Morris, just being under him for uh, two years. Uh, His son as well helped me out quite a bit. Coach Chris, for sure. Um, I look at him as a big brother and, uh, we may not have been the, the best when we were when I was playing under them, you know what I mean, a teenager and <laughs> going in through that journey, but we become super tight afterwards. Coach Rabibo has kind of helped me out a lot um, from Harvard-Westlake. Um, Coach Steve Moore at Paramount. I, I have a few guys that, that pretty much helped me out, man, and I'm, I'm super thankful. Uh, Coach Jack Murphy at Arizona gave me a couple pointers and some text messages here and there. Russell Payne, who was at West Torrance as a head coach and assistant at Harvard-Westlake. And then, according to my staff, to Kevin Payne, Mike Whitfield, uh, Chris Spencer, who just got the job at Cabrillo. Shout out to (laughs) Coach Spencer, man, on getting that job. Um, So, yeah, man, I I have a a good group of people around me that I I, I trust, and and I know it's a few that I can just text and call and they'll be honest with me, you know what I mean? Coach Morris Junior was honest with me at about the Burners game at St. Berners. and he was like, "Yeah, your tech probably hurt them too." Yeah, I got a tech man, uh, but yeah, <laughs> shout out to my mentors though, my 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 circle. I'm super thankful for.
0: Does that eat at you at all the the technical foul or did um, you, did you to an extent? It? Well, what happened? Break break it down.
1: Um, Elijah Price gets the ball. We get he he pretty much was making his presence felt in that game with Burner's lack of size. Um, he gets the ball down in the paint, and he gets, uh, gets raked across the arm. You could hear it in the loud gym. No foul, they go down. Jaden Bush reaches, gets a steal, takes two dribbles, and they call a foul. And I was like, that's the same call that just happened under the basket. Of course, I'm a little louder than that, <laughs> right? Said it's the same call underneath the basket, he looks at me and I was like, man, that's the same car and I turn and walk away and I like had my towel and I like swung my towel down and that was it and then all I heard was the whistle blow like and I'm like I'm walking away and he gave me the tech so and we lost that game by two points I think it was yeah like 58 56 or something like that
0: uh, sometimes I've been to a million games you see some Funny decisions from the from the referees. That's for sure. I'll leave yeah. it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't
1: have put us in that position. Learn it now, you know what I mean. Uh, that was my, my only tech of the year, I think.
0: That's tough to say though, because if it is a blown call, and like it's one thing to lose it, and okay, I deserve it. But when they do blow a call, you don't feel like you lose it. I mean, you're saying the right thing, but maybe, yeah. I don't. In your heart of hearts, <laughs> maybe you feel you differently. Never, I, I you won't. Never ask. know. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> It's tough. The refs do a great job, though, man. Yeah. Outside of being the head coaches and just coaching the game, they're for sure the, where the spotlight is. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they, they get it from the fans, the benches, the yeah. players. And so it's uh, well, we're thankful for them because yeah. they also don't have to do it. So
0: Everyone who gets mad at officials would never want to be an official. It's, at it's all. the toughest at job. At all. Yeah. No, I don't know who, who would want to do that, but the – The top-level guys do, for the most part, do a really, really excellent job. Um, So let's get into your coaching career. So started at King Drew. Were you head coach or an assistant?
1: At. King Drew. I was the JV head coach. JV head coach. Varsity assistant head.
0: Okay. And then assistant coach at L.A. Southwest. Yep. Spelled for three years at Redondo before two years here at St. Anthony. We'll just throw all the years of being an assistant coach into one question. What were some of your favorite memories from those days?
1: My favorite memories at King Drew were, um, I was still chasing my hoop dream. Mm-hmm. I was getting ready to go overseas and got hurt. I tore my tore my knee up pretty bad. Whole reconstructive knee surgery. So I was coaching my first year on crutches, and uh, near the back end of the season, I got healthy and I started playing with my kids. And I used to dunk on them and everything. Like <laughs> I'll just take my frustrations out on them. But my first year of coaching, I kind of was coaching like a player still, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like I expected my kids to do everything like me. But because I was so young, I related to them extremely well. Uh, One of my best relationships are with that group of kids to this day. I think that was 2011 when I started coaching. And I still talk to about five or six of them, literally, like right now. Um, And those are my little brothers, so great moments with them. Uh, Go to Southwest. That Coaching at Southwest was tough because I was the same age as most of the players or older and maybe a couple younger. And I didn't really enjoy that experience too much just from a personal standpoint because I I felt like people were just throwing away a blessing. You know what I mean? Like it's an opportunity when anybody gets you on their roster and, and things like that. But I learned a lot as a coach. Then I got to Redondo, and those years were great with uh, Coach Parvaz, who's also a mentor for me too. Uh, we had some great times at Redondo, road trips and things like that, and and then uh, I was I started coaching AAU that year, my first year at Redondo. So yeah, I got some, I got some memories, man. Beating Peninsula, beating PV, beating Miracosta, and and. Uh, Throwing water all over the place after <laughs> clinching a Bay League championship and things like that. And yeah, it was pretty fun.
0: Tell me about your role with Los Angeles Elite coaching AAU.
1: Russell and uh Russell Payne was the president. We were coaching at Redondo together. And every day I walk in, he's like, Man, when can when are you gonna join like Hop Ship? And I'm like, I'm not. Like, I'm just not. I was coaching with West Coast Elite at the time. Um, I was coaching, like, uh, 14U, and then at that time I had uh, 15U where I had Jadon Jones for a minute, Malik Thomas, and uh, Lamont Butler and those guys, and a few others. And then he just kept asking me every single day. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm not. Like, I'm just not coming over. End up hopping over, man, after about three years. And uh, he brought me in as a as their 14U coach, which was their one of the top teams as far as middle school. And it was great. Ended up being a program director for about a year or two before the pandemic hit. Uh, and now I'm the 17U premier coach. I coach their top 17U team.
0: Who's on that team?
1: Core Stanberry. Stansberry, he just uh committed to Pepperdine actually, so he's not gonna be on the team. Um I have George Toope, St. Francis, Dylan Benner, who's a 10th grader on our top 17 U team, and Dylan is a uh, his upside is is crazy, man. He's about 6'7", 6'8". He can shoot the piss out of the basketball. <laughs> he's tough. He's very smart. Uh, Where does he go? He goes to St. Bonaventure. He plays for Wolfgang. Oh, okay. Wolfgang yes. Wook. Yeah. He's a he's pretty good, dude. He's pretty good. He's gonna be he's gonna be very good. He's very coachable. Um, I have Isaiah Johnson, Jaden Mojica from San Gabriel Academy, DJ Harrington from, I want to say it's Valley Christian and Cerritos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're pretty we're pretty solid team. We're we're a pretty solid team. I have a for AAU. I think we have the group that is actually a team instead of just a bunch of superstars and things like that. So it's fun. We we're just getting started, man. We're just getting started.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll be excited to see on Twitter how you guys do down the line that'll it's always fun to see how the kids I cover in high school and the coaches I cover in high school do on the other side of things. Let's get back into this past season for you. We all know how stacked the Delray League was with Montgomery and Bernard and Sarah would always give really tough games. How stressful but at the same time fun was it to coach in that league this year?
1: I don't think it was stressful, man. I just knew especially from my prior years as an assistant, I already knew what the league presented. Um, so just to slide over six to eight inches more and be that, <laughs> in that first chair, it, it just it made everything exciting. You know what I mean? I knew how important every league game was because league was – our league is so tough with Bishop Montgomery and Bernards and Sarah and so on. But I think the most trying time for our group, it was make or break. We lost three straight league games by a combined five points. Right, and then you're getting closer to playoffs, and it was tough, man. It was tough. Like, you're right there, and first game you lose by one point, right, and it's like, uh uh-uh. You look at film and you see the things you did wrong. Next game you play in two more days, and you lose by two, and it's like, oh, uh-uh, here we go again. <laughs> then you get that third game, and it's like, oh, my goodness. But as a head coach, like you, you can't show that. You know what I mean? You can't show it, and you can't let the locker room feel that way. Even though you know it, everybody—it's human nature. You just went through the same experience three straight times. It's closer to playoffs than you. Um, we didn't really know what was going on at the time as far as playoff seating. Then season wraps up, and you get a email. We actually got a phone call from my AD like 8.15 in the morning, like, you guys got to do a coin flip to play Sarah or for who gets third place. Like, I want to play, I want to flip a coin. So, we ended up figuring that stuff out, which was pretty crazy. They wanted it to be a – they wanted it to be a neutral site. Uh, Then they picked Luzinger, and Luzinger wouldn't allow us to have fans because we were out of the district. So, I just said, we can play as Sarah. Like, I mean, the heck with this, playoff basketball already. And I think that's when things really started clicking again for our group. Um, Mm -hmm. We fought early. Sarah made a tremendous run. They always – it's always hard to play there, man, at at that gym. And then Coach McCrombie got those guys rolling, and we we had a crazy fourth quarter. Um, The last, like, two minutes of the third into the fourth quarter was the style of basketball. We've been trying to play all year. So to see it happen at that time, amazing. It felt super good, that, that, And
0: And that, that's fascinating, too, because I feel like if you couldn't get it at the neutral site, a lot of coaches would be like, all right, let's just flip the coin. Yeah. And at that point in the year, maybe some coaches would say, oh, my guys need the rest going into the playoffs. But for you, you played, and it's what you just said. Turned a corner, so it was, yeah, it was, that losing, game was losing, huge.
1: Losing three games like that. one We lost to Sarah by one earlier that week, I believe. Lost to Bishop by two, and Burners by two. So it's like, we need to play. You know what I mean? <laughs> we can't wait till the playoff brackets come out and all that. And No, we needed to play, so that, I think that was a, a um, well, clearly now I can say that was the great decision. So,
0: <laughs> well, it's just awesome too that the two coaches agreed. Because how many times in high school sports do you hear, "I want to flip the coin," "Well, I want to play." Well, no, the rules flipped. Sure. You know what for I mean? Sure. So that I, I gained a lot of respect for both you guys doing that. That no, that was awesome. Man. Shout
1: out to Coach Bernard. Yeah, man. he's been great for me as well, man. He really has, and that's a uh, that's pretty. I want to say that's rare when a, a conference or league mm-hmm. coaches. So welcoming and helpful, you know what I mean? And he's definitely been that for real. That's awesome to hear, and I'm excited
0: to see your guys' games the next few years. They're always going to be so great. I got to bring up St. Bernard, so 0-2 in the league, and then you lose the heartbreaker here, two-pointer in the playoffs. That obviously was tough for you, but what did you learn playing
1: St. Bernard this year? Sometimes, man, it's just the grit. Sometimes it's just about the grit, and how bad you want it, and clearly, three games they had the grit. Um, they were they were tougher, and they just wanted it a bit more. You know what I mean? Or I don't I don't even, I don't want to say they wanted it more, but just things broke their way. Um, and, and they had three dogs. They had three with uh, Jason Hart, with uh, Tyler and, and Darius, and man it. It's, it was hard, man. It was really it was fun to play those guys, but it was difficult because most teams have two guys. You know what I mean? And they had three. They had three, and then they had a bunch of glue guys around them, and it, it just it fit perfectly for them, and it and it worked out for them. But it was super fun to play them three times, man. Super fun.
0: Tell me about your relationship with Jaden Bush. He credits you with the drastic jump he's made in his game, and. I don't. I don't want to say drastic jump. That that came out wrong because I thought he was pretty good before even, mm-hmm. even this year. But he clearly did make a jump, and now he's signed a Dominican in Division Two. But it seems like you guys have a really incredible relationship. Can you fill me in about that?
1: No, we we do have a um, incredible relationship, man. And what's ironic is he's just he's my point guard, right? When I first came in here a few years ago, um, I just jumped right in. I just coached, I didn't like kind of warm up to anything. Like if I saw a mistake or something, I addressed it. Maybe not have been in the best tone, but I addressed it. And at first he was kind of shaky on just responding to me that way. And then Jadon and I had a talk because I already knew Jadon at the time. And he kind of just told me to lighten up a little bit. (laughs) He was like, like, I know you, you know what I mean? So he's used to it, but. He, being in the locker room, he knew the guys were a little shaky on it a little bit. And so I listened, and I think that's a, a blessing, a, a gift that I have, and being able to just listen to guys that are younger, to me, uh, younger than me. And he, uh, Jaden would just, he would listen to me, man, throughout the years leading up to now. And he was one of the guys that really pushed for me to get the job and wanted me to get it. I didn't want to let him down. That's it. I didn't want to be. Um, I didn't want to be a bad part of his high school career, simple as that. I didn't want to be a guy that, that had an opportunity to be here for him and then leave. And I, I told him I would give him everything I had, and I promised him. And we made a promise to each other, which was crazy. It was just random. We said it at the same time, like, I'm going to get you a championship. We just said it, and we were pretty damn close to getting it. J.B. went through a tough summer. Um, and I won't really say what he went through, but he went through a tough summer for his family, and he had to be super mature and it made him grow up a lot faster than he probably should have as a high school kid, but he embraced it he became a better leader tenth grade ninth grade, tenth grade people would go under screens, they'll kind of guard him like they used to guard rondo uh, it's it's funny, but i'm s I'm serious. Sorry,
0: yeah. I don't mean to laugh. I just know exactly. No, like you—you
1: you literally look at the film and you like, dude, like they really guard him like that. And for him as a competitor, it's he took it like super disrespectful, right? And like if you feel it's disrespectful, like you got to go put in the reps. You know what I mean? It's certain other—it's other things you can do with this space. And I was telling him for three years, like, dude, just get a mid-range jumper. And he was like, mid-range at first, right? Then you get up to his senior year and to kind of give you foundation on that that drastic jump, the drastic jump for him was just his offensive game. But he's the type of kid, four, he's in here four thirty, five 5 o'clock in the morning before school sometimes. And before the season started it was probably four or five days a week. But he's putting in those reps and, and it ended up paying off. Um, I kind of just gave him the keys to the vehicle and I trusted him. I, like, you trust me, I trust you, let's be honest with each other. And we, we had a lot of honest moments, whether we wanted to hear it or not. But um he's amazing, man. The kid is going to be whatever he wants to be. His, uh, what is it, marine biology teacher tells me all the time, like, he's like, man, he had a great presentation today. Like, that kid can be whatever he wants. And I'm not talking about basketball, but that's the truth. Whatever he says, whatever he writes down, it's going to happen.
0: You mentioned the grind and the grit associated with playing St. Bernard. And in that playoff game, you guys had the good first quarter. And then in the second and third quarter, they kind of separated a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it was Jaden Bush with the threes. And just he kind of willed you back into that game. And so when you describe grind and grit, I think of him immediately. Because without him, that's not a two-point game. That's probably a 10 to 12-point game. Mm -hmm. He really made a world of difference.
1: Uh, We talked about that last week before we had our one last ride in the All-Star game. And uh, he was like, man, I I asked him at the time. There's no emotion behind it. So, I was like, why did you wait till the fourth quarter? And he was like, Coach, they were guarding me with three people. It's hard to see in the midst of it, right? And he just started sending me pictures. (laughs) And they were really loading up. They were like – and I'm like, like, wow. So, I sit, and go watch the film. Yes, I know it's too late, but they really did a heck of a job just with the scheme. And it was hard, man. But he had a heck of a fourth quarter. And if he would have probably had a just half of that in the second or third, we'd probably win that game and we'd go on to play for a championship. But that that moment prepared us for State, though, for sure. It prepared us for State. And we made another little run as well in State.
0: What did it mean to you to be at Jaden's signing ceremony? You said a little speech. That seemed like a nice moment for the two of you.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he uh, Just to know what he's been through, man. I heard so many coaches. I had uh, 25 coaches come in here in September and seeing them in AAU and going to Section 7 and things like that. And they love his competitive edge. They love the, the intangibles that he presents. Sneaky athletic, can shoot the ball, and everybody know he's a great defender. The kid is the ultimate competitor. He's a super leader. But everybody kept talking about he was too small. And I'm like, everything else that he does takes away from his height and his size, right? Like, if we're going to just judge somebody off the size, like, you, you're not doing your job. Um, But he just took it as motivation, and I just took it as motivation for him as well. I call him big guard. I've been calling him big guard since I met him. I watched this kid guard 6'6", B.J. Boston, and however tall Peyton Watson may be, and and accepting that challenge. And then as a senior, he's able to post up. Like, I can really put my point guard in a situation on the block, and it's going to more than likely work out in a positive way for us. So. Man, I spoke at his ceremony, saw him sign, and it meant everything to me, dude, just to to see that smile on his face and know that he's checked off another thing on his goal list.
0: The last thing with him, so John W. Davis, the writer for the Long Beach Press-Telegram, he names Jaden Player of the Year, you Coach of the Year, yeah, and – I'm sure a lot of people who will listen to this have already read the story because they'll be St. Anthony fans, but I thought one of the most interesting things in the player of the year story that John wrote, Jaden says, or you say, you've been playing 32 minutes. Like, are you sure you can keep going? And and, and Jaden goes, coach, between the free throws in a game, that's enough rest for me. And when we (laughs) spoke before we started recording, you you mentioned if someone could have recorded the look on your face when you said that.
1: (laughs) I'm sitting here. So the the reason that that discussion came up between me and – it was actually between me, JB, and Elijah, Mm -hmm. separate threads, but we were talking, and I'm like, we just wanted to play a little faster, right? I'm like, if we play a little faster, I'm wearing down two of my best guys. And I asked JB, I I said, are you sure we can play a little faster? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, Why? (laughs) He was like, Coach, just the time between the free throws is enough for me. The rest of that is I'll make my body do whatever I need to do to win and help my team win. And I was like, All right. (laughs) (laughs) Like I do not have what else could I say, right? I I was just like, all right. Like you're not gonna say, sit down. Well, let's do (laughs) it. And Elijah was just like, he was like, I'm with you. He's like, Yeah, we can. So those I think Maybe the second half of the league and throughout the playoffs, they probably played close to 32 minutes a game, if not 32. And those dudes gave it everything they had for their team and themselves, man. And and uh, they're they're amazing. They're super amazing for that.
0: I kind of buried the lead off the top earlier. I mentioned uh, you were the coach of the year named by the Long Beach Press Telegram in year one. I think. In the story, you also said sets a high bar, but what did that? What did that mean to you? That's an incredible accomplishment.
1: It meant a lot. Um, The work that we put in all year didn't go unnoticed, pretty much, and to be acknowledged. I think everybody would love to be acknowledged for whatever work they putting in and whatever field it may be. Um, The first thing I said with the interview with uh, Mr. Davis from the Press Telegram was, "I would trade it for a championship," (laughs) but. It means a lot, man. I'm thankful because we went through so much in our locker room, man. So much in our locker room, off the court, uh, family issues and things. It was it was a tough year. It was bigger than basketball. And I feel like every kid in my locker room uh, became a better person. And that was just proof. And I thank my administration. Super supportive, man. our AD, Chris Morrison, Mr. are our principal, and Vice like, super super supportive man and and uh, the, my first day on campus was last Wednesday since I got the award and you know, the principal said, "Man, I'm glad I made a great choice." So <laughs> I'm like, so it's just, it just makes it it makes it um uh, super fun, man. It's a blessing. Uh, praise to God for that and hopefully I can get a few more and that means we we're, we're still successful here.
0: Got a few other questions for you, Alan. First I do the research for this, and then I look at the person I'm interviewing's Twitter for a little bit to try to see if I missed anything. And I couldn't help when I was reading your page, stumbling upon all the Arizona love.
1: Bear they, down, yeah, baby.
0: after they made their run. And you told me, so your cousin's with Hassan Adams who went there, Westchester yeah. legend, um, and that is why you're such a big fan of them and continue to be a fan of them?
1: Yeah, I consider myself to be loyal. That's how my parents raised me. Uh, you make a decision, you said, you just got to stick with it. But just to have him as a cousin and, and being in the same uh, profession in, in, a, in a sense and follow his path and journey and him just mentoring me, being honest with me and helping me. And then just being able to meet Coach Lou Olsen and rest his soul and Salim and all those great guys he played with. The atmosphere was amazing and it, it felt genuine. And I just kept going, man. And, and like, I just kept rocking. I kept rocking, even in the down years. Um, I had become so tight with it. When we had a bad two years, I deleted it off my my Bleacher Report app. (laughs) (laughs) But I was still – I deleted them off my app to stop the notifications, but I'll still go search. You know what I mean? So, no, I love Arizona, man. U of A is great. What's Hassan up to now? He's in China still, man. Oh, still? Okay. Yeah, he's still in China. Uh, we we talk on um, via messaging, and he's still out there. He's been out there almost five years now. He's went to the NBA, of course, Philippines, mm-hmm. and a couple other places, and he got in China, and he's he loves it there. So that's where he's at, man. I'm trying to get him home, but he loves it. Yeah, if he
0: ever hangs it up, would you get him on the staff? If he if he comes
1: home, shoot. If he comes home, I would love to have him on the staff. I would love to. What are your goals in coaching for next season? To be better. Uh, I know that's just a, a very broad answer. But um, I forgot who told me. They said year two will be even better than year one. You'll be more comfortable with certain situations, ATOs, um, the preparation and things like that, and I was like, it gave me a sense of confidence to to understand, like just to just realize, like you'll really have another year under your belt, and um, I expect to to be better with uh, in game adjustments. Um, I, I think I prepare with the best of them. I love just sitting and preparing and putting a scouting report together and watching six, seven, eight games just to prepare for one. Um, But in-game adjustments. um, Then just getting to know my locker room, as I I had 11, 12 players last year and graduate nine of them. Yeah. So just to be able to build relationships with my next group of guys and to take on another journey, which I think will probably be I don't want it to be similar, but it will be. We'll probably be underdogs again, and that's perfectly fine. But I want us to embrace whatever comes our way and just go through everything together.
0: Yeah, the challenge ahead of you certainly will be replacing Jaden and Elijah. I'm sure he, that keeps you up at night.
1: I'm working on getting <laughs> – for everybody out there, I'm working on getting them a fifth year. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, no, definitely. it's a, Those two guys are – Pretty, they'll probably be St. Anthony legends, man. Now that their career is over, they're for sure St. Anthony legends. They they made some history and you're going to miss them.
0: The last thing for you, Allen, in that 562 piece that they wrote when you were hired, uh, you were quoted, I think, as saying, I want to be here 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. Is that still the case today?
1: For sure. For sure, man. I, I'm just big on stability. I'm big on stability and. Um, earlier I was talking about how I didn't really enjoy coaching the JUCO uh, path, and that really had to do with me being close in age to those guys, mm-hmm. right, and just not having an impact. My, I'm going to make it quick. My first year coaching at King Drew, uh, Coach Lamel Dura gave me the, the luxury of telling the guys who got cut, <laughs> and I, I was, like, super nervous. And I'm like, dude, like, why do I have to be this guy for them, right? And I I told them they didn't make it, still come around if you need anything, blah, blah, blah. And some of those guys' stories on why they just were trying out, even though they knew they wouldn't make it. uh, Got a 10th grader whose parents don't really take care of him and his little brother, and he's working a couple jobs and things like that. And. I'm like, man, these kids as teenagers, they need leadership. They need guidance. They need to feel love and things like that. So if I can provide that, I want to provide it. Simple as that. Um, if I feel like right now in my life, this is how God can use me to just be there for the next generation. and So I do plan to be here that long. If I can, can create a legacy here and, and God willing to be a great one. And that's what I want to do. That's Alan Mitchell,
0: great coach, but most of all a great guy. Alan, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. No,
1: thank you, Connor. Thank you, man.